0: Hi there, and welcome to New Books in South Asian Studies. I'm your host, Ian Cook. Today we're talking about caricaturing culture in India, cartoons and history in the modern world by Ritu Gayrola. Kandori. ritu is associate professor of anthropology at the university of texas at arlington and the book is published by cambridge the book is a really wonderful piece of visual anthropology which uses the history of cartoons from colonial to current times to talk about various aspects of indian society from the state to political society through to modernity really really was a wonderful book to read and i really learnt a lot i had the pleasure of talking with ritu just a few minutes before Okay, so without any further ado, it gives me great pleasure to welcome Ritu to the show. Thanks a lot for coming on, and thanks a lot for your wonderful book.
1: Thank you, Ian. It's, a, Ian. it's a pleasure to be here today.
0: Wonderful. So before we talk about the book itself, I was wondering, could you first please tell me a little bit about your background and your academic and research interests prior to this book?
1: Uh, yes, uh, I uh, um, like to call myself uh an anthropologist, uh, an accidental anthropologist, because uh, for a good number of years uh, and a good number of degrees are in history, uh, particularly modern Indian history. And uh, I switched over uh, disciplinary allegiances to anthropology after coming uh, to Texas, um, University of Texas at Austin. And um, um, very broadly, my interest uh, uh, sort of uh, hover around uh, media and, uh, in, in particularly, uh, the print media. So, I have been working on bazaar prints um, and uh, newspaper cartoons for a very long time, first in my avatar as a historian at the Jawaharlal Nehru University in New Delhi, and then uh, uh, in the anthropology program at uh, UT Austin. So, this has been uh, sort of uh, a continuous streak in my work. And uh, cartoons came to the forefront um, more prominently uh, as I sort of began to look uh, and more deeply into uh, contestations over meanings. That was my primary interest in how visual texts are contested in the public uh, space. And cartoons seem to sort of jump out, um, uh, you know, uh, more prominently than other images. So it, my uh, book is uh, a result of that um, interest that developed over the years in cartoons.
0: Wonderful, thank you. So now let's turn to the book itself. So, before we talk about the chapters in detail, I think it's worth saying for those unfamiliar with the Indian context that newspapers, Mm -hmm. which is where most of these cartoons appear, they have a wide and growing circulation in India, both Mm -hmm. in the national language and, of course, in lots of local languages as well. But it wasn't just their wide circulation that interested you. in in cartoons so i was wondering can you tell us what drew you now as an anthropologist we've now Mm -hmm. switched allegiances to the study of (laughs) cartoons And, and what what were you hoping to find out and how did you go about finding it
1: Well, the first thing uh, that intrigued me about these newspaper cartoons after I came across certain reports uh, in the colonial archive uh, was that uh, there's a lot of discussion going on about um, the meaning of cartoons, uh, whether there are certain hidden meanings or what may be the exact meaning. So there is an attempt, a serious attempt to settle the interpretation of the cartoons. But it is all being done at the official level. Um, and so there's a sort of a guessing game going on about this uh, text and what its what secrets it holds, uh, if you will. So um, I wanted to sort of uh, go beyond the text, not to say that the cartoons themselves were not significant enough to merit attention, they are. But I was interested in what is being said about these cartoons. Can we, in some ways, get to uh, the people who are being addressed and who are reading these uh, cartoons? So it's difficult really to track um, the exact constituency uh, that uh, the cartoon taps. So there is a intuitive public, uh, if you will, that is being addressed here. So I got uh, interested in uh, locating spaces where uh, this talk, and I use the word, um, I use the phrase cartoon talk, uh, is being recorded. It's in- inscribed in public space. And so I looked at um, uh, guest books. Uh, that I found in different uh, cartoon exhibitions and in other archives. I talked to uh, cartoonists themselves to, uh, you know, understand what it is uh, they think uh, or they want their cartoons to do. And uh, to uh, some activists who uh, have uh, scrutinized cartoons as part of um, a larger sort of collection of um, um, texts and uh, sort of announcements, etc. So they're not particularly interested in cartoons, but cartoons was one uh, important sort of um, uh, public text that they were interested in um, sort of scrutinizing and in some ways monitoring also uh, for any kind of misrepresentation. So through all these different ways, um, I wanted to uh, sort of complement the cartoon with what is being said about the cartoon, that is cartoon talk, what that meant was that uh, cartoon talk became um, uh, sort of the trace through which a history of cartoons could be written. So rather than selecting a sort of a framework of shifting styles of cartoons or uh, necessarily uh, generating a list of prominent cartoonists, um, um, rather than those modes of writing a history of cartoons, I uh, tracked it through cartoon talk. <laughs>
0: Thank you, and uh, as well as this idea of cartoon talk, also in the in the introduction, you advanced this. I think it's a really interesting idea of what you call tactical modernity. So, I mm-hmm. think, what, what what is this concept, and how does this help us understand cartoons in India?
1: Um, well, um, as uh, an anthropologist, um, um, and I and I would suppose historians too, uh, m- modernity is something uh, that has been uh, discussed, uh, and uh, particularly this idea that. Uh, uh, you can have multiple modernities and uh, which uh, which sort of uh, means that if you want to understand modernity we don't necessarily have to look at its uh, european conceptualization but also how it uh, gets uh, worked and reworked within different contexts now um, while this multiple modernities is um, uh, sort of a useful way of uh, um, trying to uh, uh, listen to different articulations of what it means to be a mo- modern uh, or, you know what what is a modern experience um, I felt that um, we could go beyond this by seeing modernity um, or the articulation of modernity how do we how do we express something as modern how do we claim something as modern uh, to see that more as a disposition? And so this term uh, tactical modernity is also um, inspired from uh, Desha work, where um, I have uh, used it to signal that um, in relation to cartoons, people... uh, Because cartoons are not an institutionalized form which requires critics to mediate its uh, true meanings, people uh, take on the role of critics as the true interpreters of of this form. Um, This is what is important about this form um, in in my observation. And so um, the interpretation of cartoons, when it comes into their radar as um, being an important moment in which something can be said about Indian democracy or the way um, secularism is being played out or liberal politics is being laid out, people can snatch these moments as productive moments. So it's not as if there's a long term strategy about how do we um, voice our perspective on uh, modernity, but it is about how these opportunities um, uh, sort of become available, but more than that, how these are taken advantage of, how they are grabbed. So it was with that idea um, that I used this term tactical modernity. Um, it sort of allows us to look at the politics of when we want to claim modernity and how we want to claim modernity, uh, rather than just um, settling for a definition and uh, allowing the definition to sort of make decisions about whether we are modern or not.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think it works. Uh, it works really well in throughout the chapters. Now this book has a, has a lot of chapter, a lot of chapters, a lot of very rich chapters, and uh, we're not going to get the time, unfortunately, to talk about all of them today. So rather, I want to talk about one or two of the chapters from each of the three sections. So there's three sections: ordered historically, there's colonial times, national times, and global times. Mm-hmm. So with this in mind, my first question is actually about two chapters together, Chapter Two and Three, because I think they quite nicely roll into one another so chapter two is about it's about gandhi and cartoons and chapter three is about the cartoonist shankar and uh, mm-hmm. who gandhi actually reproved of so i was wondering can you first tell us a little bit about gandhi and his relation to cartoons and then a little bit about shankar at whom he was upset
1: uh yes certainly um most people in India that uh, you'd meet, and uh, maybe many uh, abroad too, would have uh, visited uh, the Gandhi Museum or some of the memorials um, dedicated to Gandhi. And uh, at least the one uh, in New Delhi, which is a Gandhi Smriti, as well as uh, the National Gandhi Museum, also in New Delhi, has cartoons and cartoons. Um, Uh, So we are sort of familiar, the public is familiar that there were many cartoons made on Gandhi. In fact, perhaps uh, he was very popular among cartoonists for the way that they could play um, and caricature his um, sartorial uh, preferences uh, and also um, his um, sort of um, symbolic politics that he engaged in. So he was a very rich candidate uh, for caricature globally. Um, Having said that... um, few uh, people noticed, and to me also it came uh, as a very interesting um, sort of um, uh, discovery, that uh, Gandhi was very interested in cartoons while he was in South Africa and editing uh, the Indian opinion. Um, And there he went uh, into great lengths to explain uh, to his readers... um, and uh, maybe even to those who were not uh, reading his uh, newspapers, but perhaps listening to his newspapers, because he was interested in addressing the indentured laborers, too, who were not necessarily literate. Um he was very uh, keen on uh, disclosing the politics of these uh, cartoons, that, you know, these are important um, components of the newspaper and uh, should not be dismissed uh, by uh, the uh, immigrant Indian population there, and that there is a way in which we could uh, understand uh, the uh, the minds of the whites, the mind of the whites, uh, that is what really they were thinking if, uh, they, if one gave close attention to what's going on in these cartoons. So that was one uh, track that he was uh, attempting in writing about these cartoons in the Indian opinion. The second track that he um, was taking uh, was to um, sort of show to the readers uh, and the immigrant, Indian immigrant population there that uh, the whites were not necessarily divided, uh, were not necessarily united in their uh, opposition or in their discrimination or racism uh, against uh, the Indians. In fact, uh, if one uh, saw the politics being displayed in the cartoons, uh, the cartoonists were uh, sympathetic uh, to uh, the position of the Indian immigrants there and uh, to the very um, to their exploitation in South Africa. So he wanted to sort of um, um, uh, demystify any kind of a white solidarity, if you will. So I think these two things came as very interesting uh, uh, sort of uh, uh, observations for me when I began to look at the uh, archives, um, particularly Gandhi's writings in more than 100 volumes, where his writings have been collected. So... Uh, and in the Indian opinion, where all these pieces were written, so this was about chapter two, yes. Uh, yes. <laughs> <yeah>.
0: <laughs> and then, and then, and then, in uh, chapter three, you're talking a little bit about Shankar. This, I suppose, like the the godfather of, of, of cartooning in India, and then he was someone that Gandhi specifically didn't really like his the, the the sort the sort of things he was he was drawing.
1: Uh yes. Um. Th- there, there, uh, there is archival evidence of how he. Um, sort of rebuked uh, Shankar for being uh, careless um, and not being factual in his depiction of Jina, And uh, this is a, a different kind of uh, avatar of Gandhi in terms of his relationship to cartoons. So in South Africa, we see him as uh, championing the interpretation of cartoons. Um, and uh, here, um, when he's well into uh, uh, you know the leadership role of the nationalist movement, um he he the, the it's you know the nation the um, the um colonial india is at the brink of independence if you will and uh, he he wants to sort of he's playing this role of uh, negotiating the meaning of cartoons because we have to be um sort of sensitive uh to the portrayal of certain communities uh so he, he sort of wants to um instill this responsibility the sensitivity uh, but how, let uh, say, for example, Muslims are going to be uh, portrayed and caricatured uh, in cartoons. And Jinnah becomes this um, sort of uh, uh, standby for um, the Muslim community or the Muslim league, if you will. And so Gandhi is um, sensitive to these kinds of portrayals. And here he begins to take on a kind of a pedagogical role, but of a different kind where he's disciplining uh, the cartoonist. He's disciplining Shankar. So with these two chapters, I wanted to show uh, Gandhi's engagement with cartoons um, in completely different roles, one where he's engaging the reader and second where he's engaging the cartoonist and sort of setting the norms for an ethics of cartooning. Mm-hmm.
0: Wonderful. So now let's then talk a little bit about the this National Times section. Mm-hmm. Of the book. There's, there's a couple of nice chapters, one on, on learning and another on when, whether or not cartooning is an art form. But we're mm-hmm. not gonna, I'm not going to ask you about them. Rather, I'm going to ask you about this emergence of the common man and the common woman characters, these sort of mm-hmm. enduring characters uh, that, that you describe wonderfully. So I was wondering, first, can you tell us what or maybe who they are? How did they come about? And why, why have they been so enduring in India?
1: Um, um, let me see where I can begin with how they came about um, usually uh, the common man uh, is uh, this character common man is generic for the common person is associated with R.K. Lakshman um, and it is true that R.K. Lakshman's common man which appeared in uh, the a very specific cartoon format that we call the pocket cartoon it has endured um, public uh, fascination for a long time and uh, R.K. Lakshman passed away uh, earlier this year. So there was this uh, recollection of uh, the significance of the common man uh, in Indian cartooning uh, that followed obituaries um, um, uh, after he passed away and other pieces of writing on Lakshman. But in the process um, um, I think we uh, give little credit uh, to the person who uh, preceded uh, Lakshman and actually introduced the common man uh, in this pocket cartoon format, and that is Samuel, who was a cartoonist in the Times of India and uh, who worked very closely with the editor of um, the Times of India at the time, Dr. Man Kekar. And I interviewed him too uh, while I was researching for this book, and he's, um, I've written about him um, in this chapter. Um, so the common man uh, was... Um, a sort of voice of the public, um, the public that witnesses the bureaucracy at work, um, the the public that experiences uh, democracy. And so there was a way in which uh, this character is able to um, sort of depict the public consciousness of what is going on. But of course, it is the cartoonist who is conveying this um, perspective, this public perspective. Now, it so happened that uh, historically, this common man character um, has been presented um, in a particular gender uh, way. It's uh, sort of a male. So, Samuel's common man was Babuji, a clerk, um, and Arkilakshman's uh, was also a clerk. He's uh, seen around, uh, you know, working files, etc., in the office, but he's a peon, um, uh, kind of a clerk, if you will. And uh, then we have. Um, in more recent times, Mita Roy's uh, Common Woman, and she has experimented with a couple of um, sort of um, incarnations of the uh, Common Woman. Uh, but uh, by and large, they they are male figures, um, sort of a masculine, not masculine public, but a male public, if you will. Um, so this is sort of uh, in a nutshell about uh, what the role of uh, this character is. And not everyone has assigned the same role to their uh, to this common man. The reason that it has been very popular in India is that this common man character, the way he was visualized, became the signature for um, the cartoonist so that you could see the common man character and then recognize the the cartoon as being made by X, Y, and Z. Um, And it is also integral to the format that became very popular, which is a one-by-one-inch cartoon called the pocket cartoon. So most newspapers in India have a pocket cartoon, even though the big... Editorial cartoons no more uh, grace all the you know all the newspapers. They at one time they used to be prominent, but now um, very few cartoons uh, newspapers uh, include the big editorial cartoons. So I would say um, you know the pocket cartoon format and the fact that the character became a signature of the cartoonist uh, unleashed uh, in, in the words of another cartoonist an epidemic of uh, pocket cartoons and uh, common man characters.
0: It's wonderful. It really is a really is a fascinating discussion that you have in the chapter. Um, so in the last section of the book, it's it's about the global times, as you call it. Um, mm-hmm. It's it's really nice that I was reading this. Were of course, and you and you wrote it. You wrote it before, but I was reading it afterwards. That the recent controversy that's uh, about cartoons. It seems as a ever topical discussion about cartoons' abilities to provoke angry reactions from people. And what was really interesting in India, which. Um, which, is, as you discuss, has a long tradition of not only visually representing Indian gods, but of also using these deities to mock politicians. This was one of the few countries that banned the reproduction of the Danish cartoons that caused all these troubles back in 2005. Mm-hmm. So I was wondering, first, could you talk us through how and why comics offend and don't offend in the Indian context, and then what people do when they are offended?
1: Oh, that's a big question. Let me yes. see if I can do justice <laughs> to that. Um so i'm going to try uh responding to that so the first one is um uh could you repeat the first question Yes, sure. So I, was just, I, was,
0: I was just wondering like um yeah so how and why comics offend or don't offend in india like what what is it that offends offends certain groups or doesn't offend certain groups
1: okay well um it's hard to sort of give um, uh, a sort of precise uh, response to that, and I, it sort of takes me back to your first question about uh, what is tactical modernity. So uh, it's it's about um, uh, when we want to sort of uh, analyze offense, we have to situate it within uh, the political context, uh, the conditions under which that sensibility of offense is being um, is being uh, spoken about. Um, in the book, I have described. Uh, specific uh, examples um, which sort of point to a number of um, contexts within which offense uh, could be taken in cartoons. <clears throat> again these are about the politics of saying uh, and visuality so for example uh, we have a sociologist um, professor Kanabiran, who took up a case of a cartoon in the asian age uh, where there was a de- there was um, a derogatory representation or, or uh, um, a derogatory way in which women were being talked about uh, particularly sangeeta bijlani so the cartoon itself um, did not um, include any caricature of a woman it was a dialogue Um, between two people and uh, in in which um, the two uh, uh, cricket players um, prominent Indian cricket players are talking about this actress uh, Sangeeta Bijlani so that uh, cartoon became a sort of context for talking about objectification of women and how offense needs to be taken for such uh, senses of humor where women can be laughed off you know, politically incorrect. Uh, so that is one. So this is again you know um, how uh, cartoons become that moment for um, for speaking out and speaking about the objectification of women. Now, having said that, we know that there are other platforms for making these kind of claims, but um, uh, so the question really is what what is it that uh, makes it significant to make these kinds of demands and claims about objectification in relation to the cartoon? What more work? Does the cartoon do, uh, or uh, you know, uh, when, when we take up these cases through represent through what is being represented or what is being caricatured? Uh, the other example that I gave was uh, from uh, uh, my uh, conversations with R. L. Kane, who monitors cartoons with the help of other uh, associates uh, that uh, uh, that uh, uh, represent uh, members of. Uh, um, uh, um, of Dalit communities in poor light and uh, here again there's this is politics of how do you represent minorities how do you represent Dalits and uh, he takes this on as a part of his larger politics and his larger activities where he champions uh, Dalit causes and sees himself as a representation uh, as a representative of the Dalit community. Um, So, again, with just these two examples, we can see that cartoons um, become this sort of way for constituting publics, I would argue, Um, that uh, through cartoons, because of their reach, uh, there is uh, a possibility of taking on these issues that can be taken up in other platforms, too. But through cartoons, they allow for a public to be constituted. So that is why I think uh, these become significant. And in a direct response to your question, what is it that can be taken offense to? I would say the field is open. It can, you know, it can be a question of um, gender representations. It can be about how caste is represented. um, And it can also be about, um, you know, one newspaper um, sort of um, petitioning another newspaper for defaming it uh, in the way uh, that it was uh, being represented. Uh, And I show that with the Humpty Dumpty uh, cartoon that is there in the book. Um, So I think that Nothing is out of bounds. Um, we tend to very quickly associate uh, this hurt or offense with religious figures. Uh, but I want to show is that you know it is um, the sense of hurt and offense also takes place outside of this uh, sphere of religion mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Thank you um, in the conclusion, which is uh it's in the conclusion you, you you ponder whether or not cartoons have a have a future in, in what you call this hyper global era. So I suppose this is a this is a good question on which to finish our discussion about the book. I was wondering, you know, do you think cartoons have a future, or what's what's the future of cartoons?
1: I think it's very clear that um, there is a future for cartoons, and precisely because they have become sites for politics um, that we can grab hold on to we can grab and um, just to give you three examples um, um, from different uh, sort of uh, contexts uh, in India um, around in 2000, 2011 and 12 uh, there were two uh, prominent cases where a professor in Jadapur University um, was arrested for a day for circulating uh, via Facebook um, cartoons of um, you know, the Chief Minister Mamta Banerjee of the Theranamul uh, Congress and um, um, his offence was uh, defaming uh, uh, Mamta Banerjee, uh, the politician. Uh, the other case that I want to sort of uh, just uh, reference briefly is of Asim who's uh, who sort of drew a series of cartoons against corruption, and he was charged uh, under a uh, charge for sedition and for um, sort of misrepresenting national symbols. And the complaint against him was that he had hurt the sentiment of the nation. Um, we would think that people have sentiments, but here this is very interesting representation of how um, the sentiments of the nation uh, had been hurt. Um, and the third example that I want to give, uh, again in relation to India, but in a completely different context, is how the New York Times um, um, cartoonist um, um, made a cartoon when uh, India sent, uh, um, you know, a robot. Uh, or in space, um, to Mars. Um, and uh, he made a cartoon where there are these uh, Western elites, you know, um Sitting in a club, and uh, the do- an Indian uh, per- farmer, you know, person looking like a farmer with cow uh, tethered um, is knocking at the door as if seeking admission to that very exclusive club. And uh, read New York Times issued an apology after it received uh, several letters uh, condemning that ad for showing India in poor light. So we can see, you know, just within the context uh, of um, uh, India or anything related to India how there is a proliferation of this sense of misrepresentation, defamation, sedition, uh, which is being claimed not necessarily by the public only, but also by the state. Now, say by Mamta Banerjee or by others who are representing the state or speaking on behalf of the state. Now, beyond that, we know recently with the Charlie Hebdo uh, shooting in Paris, Uh, Again, cartoons uh, came um, to the fore in a very uh, powerful way about what is the freedom of speech and is it a human right or is it a universal right and is there a freedom of expression that can be enjoyed by everyone. So I I see this issue, uh, particularly cartoons, gaining more currency for debating these very important aspects about um, expression and freedom. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: Thank you. We've... uh really rush through what is a what is a very, very rich book and, and spans a, a very long period. So I was wondering if there's anything that I've missed out with my questions that you'd like to highlight in the book for the listeners at home.
1: Well, I think you've asked uh, great questions. And um, uh, one thing that I would uh, highlight is that um, th- a good part of this book uh, is also about uh, conversations with cartoonists. <laughs> and uh, without them as... Um, uh, as as um, individuals as um, as people that I conversed with, it would have been very difficult uh, to conceptualize this project, and uh, so um, their voices as part and parcel of the story, or how it unravels, is uh, is, is quite crucial, uh, and uh, also that. Uh, I hope that, you know, that this book also uh, disturbs some um, presumptions or some comfort levels we have with uh, what is history and what is anthropology and uh, that it it also is able to highlight how we can turn to uh, cartoonists and to the form uh, of the cartoon itself uh, to think about uh, this uh, desire that we have and this sort of uh, constant uh, ambition, I would say, we have uh, to represent Um, uh, accurately, if you will, you know, so we we sort of work very hard in trying to prove how our representation is accurate, whether that is ethnographic representation or historical representation in what cartoonists show us that caricature uh, does a great job of representation. Um, And I hope that sort of uh, will generate some conversation.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, hope, I hope so, too. Yeah. I mean, they, these discussions like you were mentioning before with the cartoonists are really nice. I think is, is, is his name Kuti or Kuta? Kuti. Yes. He seem to have a very, a very strong relationship with him. He's a wonderful, uh, wonderfully eloquent uh, informant to, to have when you're in the field. I think it's, it's they're really they're really wonderful conversations to read. So there's sort of a reason to, to recommend this uh, this book for, to people at home. So I was wondering now that this book is out, I was wondering what are your current and, and future projects?
1: Um, well, there, is, um, uh, there are some uh, directions that I wasn't able to completely integrate uh, in this um, book, and um, it was hard to um, stop because new events kept uh, uh, emerging. <laughs> Uh, So there are areas that I would like to develop, particularly in relation to Asim Trivedi's uh, work um, and uh, some of the recent controversies uh, around cartoons. And uh, I'm also interested in comic books. uh, So that is another area that I'm currently exploring, including um, a sort of slightly new area uh, that I've called Gandhi Emotion. Where I'm trying to understand um, the public uh, sort of a global uh, fascination with Gandhi um, through his material through the through material culture. So those are some of the things that are keeping me busy now. Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. And these are these are comic books, uh, these like these graphic novels that are coming out now by Indian um, drawers, or these or more these older these um, what would they call chitra type type comics of, of what what sort of comic books are you're looking at.
1: Well, uh, what I've seen is that in recent years, there is a kind of a cottage industry of comic books, um, and there are people, small groups of um, uh, young um, sort of people who are the youth who are... um, uh, who are sort of generating very interesting comic books, and uh, sort of uh, begun to look at their work closely. And uh, uh, we have these comic book conventions uh, in India now that are catching up. So I'm intrigued by uh, wh- uh, you know how this has come up and um, what kind of um, uh, what kind of uh, participation it is able to entice. And uh, Amar Chitra Katha's were um, uh, very popular; they continue to be very popular. And uh, you know, I think uh, from a historical perspective too. But uh, there's a lot that has gone, uh, that has sort of uh, developed uh, beyond Amar Chitra Katha. So I'm interested in that. And one of the most uh, recent comic books that uh, I'm sort of looking at is uh, the one that was made on the the rape in uh, Delhi, Priya Shakti. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, so there are sort of uh, other genres of comic books that do circulate in India. So that's that's sort of uh, what I'm keen about.
0: Sounds fascinating. I'm I'm asking... Very much as a fan of of, uh, of comic books, that's why I was, that's really? why I was interested. <laughs> yes, okay. Okay,
1: we,
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Yeah,
1: we should we should be in touch then. Uh, yes, <laughs> about <laughs> comic books. Yes.
0: Wonderful. And we look forward to, to reading more of your work uh, in the future when it comes out. So there's nothing more for me to do apart from to recommend this book to people at home. I really enjoyed it. As you can imagine, there's there's lots of wonderful cartoons inside it as well that people uh, that people will enjoy um, reading alongside the text. So thanks a lot for coming on the show and thanks again for your book.
1: Thank you, Ian. It was uh, wonderful to uh, chat with you. Thank you for your questions.
0: Thanks so much for downloading the new Books in South Asian Studies podcast. I've been your host, Ian Cook. Today we've been talking about caricaturing culture in India by Ritu Gairola Kandori. This book is absolutely wonderful. So rich in its material and so exciting in the way this material is explored. Thanks again for downloading and hopefully you do the same next time. Ta-ra.